you learn a lot by meeting a lot of different people and going into different cultures. I really think everybody should have to be uh, work in the service industry. And I think they should have to go to a foreign country where they don't speak the language and try to uh, assimilate to their culture for a little bit. I think in general, people would be better off. They maybe not be such assholes about things. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. Welcome back to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast, and welcome to American Craft Beer Week. Ooh, it is that. It is, baby. So how do people celebrate American Craft Beer Week? You drink craft beer. By going to a craft brewery? Or a good beer bar, or, but yeah, craft brewery would be the best way. But yeah, there's a lot of good beer bars too. I'm down for either. Or just buy some good craft beer and drink it at home if you have to. Celebrate at home. Drink the beer. Start your week off with the cheers. Hey, you know what um, is interesting that I was thinking about? What's up? Which leads us to our podcast and our guest eventually. Uh, In like the 80s and the 90s, there were no podcasts. Right? No, not really. Like, what would you call a podcast in the 80s and the 90s? I mean, there was kind of internet radio that started. Okay. I'm not sure when that started, though. Like, I want to say by the end of the 90s, but for sure in the early 2000s. Because, like, when I was um, a little more full-blown in my, my old day job at MMA Weekly, we had like one of the first internet radio shows and we focus specifically on mixed martial arts. You think it's called MMA Weekly? I suppose not everybody would know that, but you know, MMA, mixed martial arts, put the acronyms together, it would make sense. It it would, but a lot of people call it UFC or cage fighting Fine. or whatever. Anyhow, where I was going with this and asking like <laughs> if there are podcasts in the 80s and 90s, which you did a great job of answering it, where I was going, though, was what did we do in the 80s and 90s to get to be entertained? Like, what did we, like in our age group, because you all know we're in our like early 50s. So the 80s, like 80s, 90s, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, like going up and then we get into our young adulthood and stuff in the 90s. So like in the 80s, what were we doing to entertain ourselves? Going to Skate City. Chasing girls on roller skates. I wasn't chasing girls. I was. <laughs> <laughs> and and at Skate City as well, besides roller skating and listening to loud music, playing video games. Video games. That's what I was looking for. Video like, games was a fun one. The arcade was something that was so kind of, um, I guess, like reminiscent. Is that the right word? Of the 80s? Or it's like representative for okay. sure. Like it, like you think of the eighties, you think of an arcade, like how many kids now really like an arcade now is an, is like classic rock. It's an old, it's for people like us to go back and relive our eighties. It's like the bar in Denver. What's that bar in Denver? Is that uh, called one up? One up. One up. So that bar in Denver, it's a bar. So yeah, kids aren't going there to play, but it's a bar. And I'm sure there are other bars around the country that have this, but it's oh, yeah. all focused on like 80s style video games like Pac-Man and Donkey Kong and Centipede and Tempest Galaga. Yeah, you probably know more about it than that, but it's a bar <laughs> where you can go and drink and play video games. And so now like the gaming the gaming like world is so different than when it was then yeah. because the gaming world now is all online, you don't have to go anywhere. But what I see with the arcade in like the 80s and the early 90s is that the arcade itself, like going to the arcade itself, is almost more important than the actual playing of the video oh, games. Oh, yeah, totally. Because you go and you hang out. Like when I was, it was like 88, 89, I was 18, 19, you know, even younger. You go to the arcade and I was never a big fan of video games. But I went because that's where you hung out. I went so I could secretly smoke my cigarettes. Yes, I used to smoke. No, I don't now. And like probably, you know, secretly drink some 40s or something out of the back of the car before you go into the arcade to play video games. Dude, the 80s is pretty cool. 
Yeah, yeah. I, rem- I mean, I had a great, like we, back in Denver, I would hang out at Cinderella City Mall. Nobody does that anymore either, I don't think. Well, maybe a little bit. There are still a few malls out there, a going few to- indoor malls. At least in Denver, there's still a few. But I remember so going, going to the mall and just hanging out. Yeah, just like going to the record store and stuff, which there's not really a record store anymore. And it's all online again. Yeah, and like the arcade now, like the arcade now is like virtual. You know, people have their game systems at home. Kids have their game systems at home, and they have like a headset on, and they're playing these intense games. But they're playing with somebody. You know, they're playing against somebody else who might be you know, clear across the world or at least across the country or something. And they're like trash talking on the video game. Like our, our nephew, you know, he play he does that all the time. And it's like weird to me in a way, but in another way, I kind of find it, well, that's cool though. Cause he's connecting with people could be kind of strange, but connecting with people that he he's never even met in person before. Could be across the globe. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you brought him up and you brought up the online gaming. And so now with our nephew, the kid is a freaking genius, and you have to say what he said to his friend. No, so yeah, I remember because he was playing his video game. On the Oculus. They're playing and getting really heavy into it, and he's like... He's 10, by the way. Right. He's 10 years old. He's throwing down with this other kid on the video game, and I believe what he said was, if stupidity were currency, you would be Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Right? That's, like, fantastic. You want to talk about trash talking? That's trash talking in 2022. Intellectual trash talk. (laughs) From a 10-year-old. Who is probably smarter than both of us put together. True that. You know who's also smarter than both of us? Who? Or maybe they're not. People who start breweries? Yeah, sometimes not so much. Mm Because, I mean, I see how many hours these guys put in, and these folks all do a lot of work. And that... It's actually, you just made me think about that. That's another good way to introduce um, the brewery that we have on this week is Shane Watterson from Level Beer in Portland, Oregon. But it's Level Beer, and that was like a whole play on words. And since you just brought up like how hard they work, that's mm-hmm. kind of that purpose of the naming behind that. It's like level, like a balance, like, you know, like a balance from work and play and family and all this. So you're not like completely overthrowing your balance. But it's also that piece of... um What's the word? It's also that piece of nostalgia from like leveling up or ready player one or level one for the whole oh, yeah, like, like game levels. And yeah. Things like that. So that whole like video game, because they're all around the same age as we are, I believe. And that's kind of reminiscent of where they came from. And they wanted to kind of have that nostalgic piece into their brewery. So it's pretty cool the way that they had that play on words and how they use that for marketing. No, it's kind of cool because it, it opens up a floodgate of different ways you can go. You know, it doesn't have to be, and it's not all video games and, you know, levels of video game kind of thing, but there's a lot of different references throughout their beer and their brewery and everything. I just said that. Yeah, but I was leveling it up and repeating what you said. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at that. I'm good at leveling. And we started here. I don't even know what to do with him sometimes, you guys. You guys just need to come through that microphone and help me out. Um, but also, too, we started this podcast with saying, Welcome to American Craft Beer Week. And, of course, this is, like, another one of our episodes with Malt Europe for American Craft Beer Week. So we're excited to be, like, having Shane on the podcast with us this week for kicking off American Craft Beer Week. Yeah, this is going to be a big week for beer, right? It is. Big, big week. Super big. Super big. Isn't every week big for beer? Doesn't matter the week or the day or whatever. It's just well, a beer day. Well, it is day. for us, but I think as a country, as America, we're taking beer to another level this week. Oh, that was good. <laughs> it was an easy one. It was like it was like hitting a, was, a wiffle ball off of a tee. Although that would have been perfect because that would have been a perfect introduction to transition right into our interview with Shane at Level Beer. But we can't go there yet. Why not? Because I really want to tell people to sign up for the coolest adult camp ever, Camp Carpadium. What is that? When does that happen? I don't know. That's your role. Oh, yes. That happens in October, October 20th through the 23rd in the Brevard and Asheville area of North Carolina where there are a tremendous amount of breweries i'm using my unpotty mouth today so if you want to like (laughs) level up your beer drinking 
Oh boy, now you're just pushing it too far. You're really stretching it now. Got to hit Brevard and Camp Carpe Diem. C A M P C A R P E D I E M dot com. We'll promise you it'll be worth the money. And actually, it's not that expensive anyhow. So go there, buy a ticket, and come hang out with us weirdos. Beer, bikes, photos, hikes, campfires, community, community, everything. Rig tours. That's true. Yeah. We got some fancy, crazy stuff going on. Oh, yeah, we got some really good stuff. Anyhow, so we're uh, leveling up with that. And we're going to level it off with Shane from Level Beer in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, we better get right into that interview now because we're getting too many. This this leveling is getting kind of bumpy. I'm just saying we're losing our level. We're off kilter. Yeah, well, that's life. So welcome to Level Beer. And welcome to Shane. Um, All right, so we are back with... Some of our podcast episode with Malt Europe, teaming up with them to highlight some of their breweries and breweries that people love because it's American Craft Beer Week, May 16th through the 22nd this year. And now we're here with Shane Watterson at Level Beer in Portland, Oregon. Hi, Shane. Hey, how are you doing? We're awesome. How are you? Good. Getting through it. Getting through it. Yeah, I think everybody's getting through it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you're getting through a freak snowstorm right now, I guess, too, huh? (laughs) <laughs> Once in a lifetime. Well, hopefully by the time people listen to this podcast, that snow will be gone. <laughs> What's the word? Unprecedented. Oh, no. Unprecedented. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> that word should now be stricken from the vocabulary. <laughs> We've all had enough unprecedented yes. things these last few years. <laughs> all right, yeah. Shane, tell, tell us more about like you and Level Beer and like the story behind it. And, you know, however long or short you want to make of it. But we just love to hear the stories behind the beer. Okay. Um, wow. How far back should I go? How much do you want me to talk straight away? <laughs> well, however much you want to talk. We like the long stories. Well, when were you born and where did you? Yeah, right. Elementary um, <laughs> Maybe not that far. Maybe not that yeah, far. Yeah. So Level Beer is started. It's me. Um, my other partners are Jason Barbie and Jeff Phillips. Um, so me and Jason met when we both started working at the Deschutes Brewery Portland Pub in 2007 when that one opened. Uh, We both started kind of front of the house and then worked our way back to the brewery and we were just you know scrubbing floors, polishing copper, filling tanks, doing that kind of stuff Um, and just hoping to brew while we were also you know food running and doing those sorts of things. And then uh, Jeff was the owner of Bailey's Tap Room, which was uh, just re- fairly recently closed. Went down in the pandemic uh, because Portland's downtown got destroyed. But it was a world-renowned, you know, nationally renowned at least uh, beer bar. Uh, he's constantly, you know, getting awards for uh, for the service and quality, and you know what kind of beers they had and all that kind of stuff. Real cool space. Um, but me and Jason were looking to, looking to get going on our own thing. We'd talked about it for years and years. I'd gone off to, uh, Laurelwood and worked there for almost six years. And I was running, running that program for a couple of years. Uh, and Jason had gone over to, uh, Ex Novo in Portland. He'd taken over that program. And then uh, we were kind of meeting, you know, with investors and stuff and trying to figure out how to get it off the ground. Like we knew the brewing side of it, but the business side, we were just like, I don't know, (laughs) you know, uh, how how do we actually get a business going? And then we came across Jeff and he was looking at this property and trying to get something out here, but he didn't really know what he wanted to do with it. He just knew he wanted to do something. And we kind of gave him our proposal and it, it worked out. And so we got going. We're out here in uh, northeast Portland, like the furthest northeast tip of Portland, like across the street is a different uh, is Fairview. Um, so we're right out. We're about a mile from the airport. So if you fly into Portland, you go down airport way, we're, we're on the left real close right off the Columbia River. So the Columbia River and Airport Way are separated by one street. So we're real close to both of those. So very convenient. We get, you know, back when tourism was uh, more of a thing, uh, we got lots and lots of people coming through. We are either their first or their last stop uh, because there's nowhere 
closer to the airport than we are. So we get a lot of people uh, come post up here and hang out for their plane or their, you know, this is that they just got off a long day of travel and this is the first stop they're going to make. And they just, just close, come here, have a pint, take it easy, figure out what they're going to do. Um, well, one thing I'd like to touch on real quick is you mentioned that, that you guys, both of you or both brewers out of the team were from Deschutes, which seems to be a very common thing around uh, Oregon there. It's like, it is amazing how many other breweries Deschutes has spawned since they've been around. Cause so many people cut their teeth there. Lots of people. uh, If I've seen the, I don't know if you've ever seen the like spider graph thing of like what breweries come off of, uh, there's a lot of them. It's um, Deschutes, uh, McMinimins, mm. Widmer, um, and even the place uh, at this point where I was at, Laurelwood, has spawned off a bunch of breweries. Like there's multiple brewers either running programs or started programs that went through that that place. But it is it's very incestual out here as far as that goes. <laughs> you know, everybody's like working at all these different places, and uh, they go open to you know anybody that's opened it, it's probably worked it. The shoots McMinimins, Widmer, uh, you know, Pyramid before or Bridgeport or wherever. Everybody's kind of gone gone through one of the systems out here for sure. Well, that's got to be kind of good for the community of brewers out there because I'm sure it kind of keeps you guys a little more connected, even though you've kind of gone off to start your own things. Does it kind of still come around to where you'd like do a lot of collab beers together and things like that? Yeah, the the Portland brewing community it, community is very uh, it's very unique. Um, we we come to find, especially pre pandemic, um, more about the time we were opening this place about almost five years ago. Like we did a monthly meeting. Brewers would rotate locations. Brewers show up with a beer that they want some feedback on. And we'd all sit around try the beers, talk about the beers, talk about the process. People tell you what they liked or didn't like, or, you know, you could be looking for feedback and, you know, we, a lot of sharing of ingredients, ideas, blah, blah, blah. And people that would come to visit and came across that were blown away. You know, we'd get brewers that came to, you know, say they were out visiting, you know, Breakside or something. And they'd be like a guest in on one of these meetings. They're, they're just blown away that they're sitting there with their, you know, competitors chatting beer recipes and process and stuff uh, where you really don't see that. You, a lot of other States it's, that's my enemy. I don't tell them anything. I don't help them out. You know, I want them to fail or something. We're out here. We're all just trying to, you know, the rising tide theory, right? Lifts all boats. Yeah. I mean, I, I see a lot in the brewing industry itself, just a lot of that stuff, though, is a lot of like collaborations and what do you need? How can I help you out? Yeah, we're competition, but we figured it yeah. out together. So that's I think cool. all in all, it, the, the community is, you know, worldwide, it's even very, uh, you know, open and, uh, you know, gracious about that kind of stuff. Yeah. So some states more than others, for sure. So you mentioned worldwide and that makes made me um, think of a question that I wanted to ask you because I was looking you guys up beforehand. So we had some basis on what to talk about a little bit. Yeah. But there was an article that was written and it I can't remember who wrote it, but I found it online and it said something about like the vibe. This is right before you opened, which uh-huh. you opened in 2017. Did I miss that? 20, 2017. Okay. Yeah, the, the summer of 2017, July oh. 4th weekend. You're a newbie still for the most part. Because, you know, yeah. the pandemic doesn't yeah, count. Five years. <laughs> five years. But, it said like the vibe will be what Watterson, you said customers from Japan call heartwarming nostalgia. Level sells quite a bit of beer in Japan where their video game inspired packaging is popular. Yeah. Japan? Japan. Yeah, we're we're big in Japan, we like to say. <laughs> and, and video game inspired packaging. Can you maybe talk a little bit more about both of that? Both of those? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the Japan thing happened fairly naturally in general I've, i'd known I'd, I'd worked with uh the japanese distributor uh treadwater for a while when i was at laurelwood um but our branding here just really i think you know touched on a nostalgic point for you know people coming from japan or we have a lot of uh there used to be again everything kind of last couple of years is different but we used to be tons of japanese tourism as well um people would study here 
hang out, do their thing, go back to Japan, and they want some of that, and then they get to see it actually showing up in their local spots, you know, and it's really was exciting. But our uh, our packaging is and our you know brand in general is kind of like 80s 90s nostalgia i mean our target audience is you know kids growing up growing up playing nintendo you know going to arcades uh, seeing those kind of movies and all of our branding is uh, very much that way um, when we got our you know logo going it was we told our uh, graphic artist that we wanted it somewhere between like Atari and fans and Star Wars. And I think he, he ended up just nailing it um, with it. I'm like, do I have, this is the one time I don't, I'm not surrounded by stuff that has our logo. <laughs> Go to our website, check it out. You'll see. So where did that come from? Did it just come from all you guys, like all three of you being from that age bracket and like just stuff that you were clinging to from childhood and stuff like that? Or Yeah, a little bit. Um, part of it, you know, is more practical trying to come up with uh, a name for a brewery was hard we um we came up with hundreds of names most of them end up being like good beer names but not great for like a company right and um, we were trying to keep keep it small just one word we were looking for like a one word thing like stone or whatever uh and said don't say that too loud you might get sued <laughs> yeah well put it on the long list of people right we just we got a cease and desist not long ago from uh sapporo for one our japanese rice lager and i was like okay really yeah but we uh seems to be kind of a badge of honor sometimes now when yeah we're, we we got we, we've got it hanging on our wall right now it's fine yeah because we had a can that was kind of like an homage to their brand anyways you know and then they're like nope don't like it <laughs> uh, it's fine we, we rebranded unfortunately i had a whole truck of camp so the name we ended up uh you know we're like oh level we're like okay we can do it as one word it looks good graphic wise you know it's got a lot of like fun things you can deal with and then you know through that all this like oh like video game stuff you know like we could do kind of oh level oh, level one ready player one you know game on let's play and um so we are, we are like, this is a never ending, like kind of marketing thing for us. Like we can easily see how we can come up with beer names until the cows come up, you know, like it just, we, we all grew up like playing these games and like being surrounded by all that kind of culture. And we're like, this is the easiest thing to pull through for, for us. Um, we really liked it and we thought it would be kind of fun to go that route. And so we've kind of stuck with it and uh, people love it. They really do. Well, and that's how you name, that's how you name all your tap rooms now too, because you have three locations, correct? So you have like level one, level two, and level three, depending mm -hmm. on where your location is. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, it keeps it easy. You know, it's like, there's a lot of practicality to it, but it, um, I don't know, it works. So, you know, at first I remember telling people too, we're like, oh, we're going to call it level. And people just get kind of that, like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. And then we're like, I feel like the second they stepped in and saw the rest of the brand, you know, they see the t-shirts, they see the beer, they see the stuff. They're like, Oh, right. Okay. Right. That makes tons of sense. You know, cause like think of like stone on its own too. Right. Like if you just came up with the brewery right now, you're like, I'm going to call it stone. People are like, what are you all about rocks? You're going to name stuff after rocks that it doesn't make any sense. Right. Totally. You know, you have to have some like history at it before you're like, all right, stone. Totally. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry if I missed this earlier if, if I was like I don't know where I went because I was yeah, right sure. here but uh where did so you're the brewer there correct uh, and, I am one oh, of, you were? I, yeah I, I'm a brewer owner so um at this point I would say I do more brewery operations yeah so I make sure that everybody has all the stuff that they need uh dealing with you know contracts and schedules and that kind of stuff and then I'm more like vacation coverage or if people are sick or if we're really putting on a beast of a, a day or a week, I'll sub in where needed. But that's usually where that role ends up when you're an owner too. But regardless, where, where did like your passion and like your interest in brewing start from? What was the whole logistics of that? That, you know, it's interesting. I don't know. I, I love fermentation in general. Um, I would, I'd say if I, if I wasn't doing beer, you know, 
I'd probably be doing something else with fermentation in one way, shape or form, whether, you know, uh, it was wine or something like in spirits or even like cheese making or sausage making or something like fermentation is really interesting for me. Uh, I obviously, you know, I like drinking beer. I like beer. Uh, my, my brother and some buddies, you know, and they were home brewing in college. My dad was home brewing. Um, I ended up after college starting homebrewing with my dad a little bit and my brother. And then I just kind of went crazy about it. Like they were both kind of like doing it for fun once in a while, but like it just something, something about the whole process. I like, I like a good process. I do a lot of cooking and I like long process cooking stuff too, where it's a little bit, you know, I bake bread and make sausages and make cheese and those kinds of things. And it really just, the whole process struck a chord with me. And I went kind of bananas about it, became like, got real involved in the homebrew club and, uh, you know, got that job at Deschutes, went to beer school, got, you know, got my first like full-time brewing gig at Laurelwood and yeah, it just kept going. So did you grow up in Portland? Yeah. Uh, I grew up just out of Portland in Troutdale, so we're like, you know, maybe 10 miles from here. I came, you know, it's funny, the location we're at used to be a produce barn, and I used to come here as kids and get pumpkins, and uh, I do, you know, I've been making pickles for years. I'd come here and get my big deals, you know, pickles for making pickles and stuff, and uh, then when Jeff was saying, oh, there's this building that I'm, this property I'm looking at, and I was like, okay, and we went and checked that out. I was like, what? The bar? I love this. Where am I going to get my pickles? You know, but, you know, they, that was their, like, that was their retirement plan was to, like, you know, sell this thing off and whatever, so. So that well, you're in a, cool. a barn. The main location is basically in a barn on a farm, right? Yeah. Do yeah. you, so, and you like fermentation. Do, what kind of beers do you really like? What, what kind of beers are you known for? What kind of beers do you like to brew? What's, do you have experimental things going on? What's up? Um, you know, it's so funny. I just love, our whole thing out here is session beers. The one thing that me, Jeff, and Jason have agreed upon since day one, it was funny. We kind of figured it out as we go to have all these meetings and stuff to figure out if it was going to work and do that, you know, all this stuff, if our partnership was going to happen. We go to these different bars and stuff, and we always ordered the same beer every time. Like we'd walk in and we'd look at the list and go, what's the lowest ABV, most beer-like beer that we can find? And that's the one we always order every single time. And that was, that's what our whole, you know, thing's based on is a place where you can come out to drink some lower ABV stuff. That's, you know, not too, you don't have to think too much about just enjoy a couple of clients, not get too hammered and, you know, call it a day. We do lots of other things as well we have a barrel program we do wild and sour stuff we do big barrel age things but in general the stuff that we're most passionate about is like you know lagers we like uh you know a good english bitter give me a little like anything that's between four and a half and five or four and five percent alcohol is like just our money spot you know we just love it <laughs> it's funny because it's uh you know for a while craft beer went crazy. You know, you had like the bitter bomb IPAs and then, and you've got hazy IPAs and then you've got milkshakes and candy bar stouts and all the craziness that goes on in beer. But yeah, it's to me, it feels like the last year or two or so, maybe it's just the maturity of beer drinkers out there in the craft world now, but it feels like things are coming back around to where let's instead of seeing how crazy of a beer we can make, which is still out there. Sure. But how well can we make a beer now? And it feels yeah. like it's coming back to that quality over just something new. Right. And, you know, that's the thing is we've been making, me and Jason both have been making classic styles for years. And, you know, they're just the ones we want to drink after work. Like the, those, the brewer beers, it's always been just like, I don't know, man, I just don't want to have to think about it too much. Just give me like something I can forget about and just drink it. You know, like, I don't want to have to analyze it too much. I don't want my be blown away with all the stuff going on. I just want to, I just want to talk to my buddy and have a drink, you know? So speaking of brewer beers, outside of level beers, 
what is your like go-to just, I need to clear my palate. I'm, I'm done crafting out today. I need something simple. What's your go-to just generic beer off the shelf? Uh, Coors Original. <laughs> that seems to be a very common brewer answer too. <laughs> it's, you know, I did this thing when we'd go camping, me and a group of friends would go camping for years. We did, I, I did the uh, light beer challenge. Uh-huh. And I'd, I'd get just, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 different beers I could find at the grocery store. And we'd, I'd set up a blindfold bracket and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and multiple times, uh, Coors Original won that for us. And ever since then, I had never thought I liked that beer in general until those, it kept winning. And I was like, I guess maybe I just like Coors Original. I never thought that would be a thing. But like, I almost always have just like a six pack sitting in my fridge just in case I run out of other stuff or whatever or just feel like that but the reality is we make a lot of low ABV lager stuff so I usually have my own stuff to drink anyways yeah you probably don't really have to with with your uh, focus on lower ABV beers and really well-balanced beers yeah we, we push hard in that way and then you know like you're saying about the community out here we're always trading you know yeast or hops or grain or whatever with people and you know they always give you a case of beer or something so all the people that we deal with we get a lot of their beer to try out as well which is nice because they always know what we want to drink too <laughs> you know they're not bringing us eight percent hazies they're bringing us their lager they just can't <laughs> yeah i mean when you're working in beer all day long i imagine it gets tough to drink even just a six or seven percent beer you know because even if you're just trying to work and not drink all day, it's like people stop by the brewery and you're, you know, different people in the industry come by and things like that. And you end up drinking when you weren't really planning on drinking. And it's like, you gotta, gotta keep it in check or that balanced beer isn't so balanced at the end of the day. You're, I mean, you are a hundred percent right. My, my days where I'm on the floor, no big deal. My days where it's nothing but meetings, boy, if I could walk out of there at the end of it, you know, like, it's been like, oh, I guess I got a meeting. We're going to have a beer all day long, you know, <laughs> keeps going. We are, you know, thanks to Malt Europe. They brought us together. So maybe we should do a little bit of talking about them. I'd love to yeah, know. Yeah, we like, talk about Malt Europe. Yeah, let's talk about Malt Europe. Yeah. And who else should we talk about? Jesse? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse says. Talk about Jesse. Yeah. He's pretty Jesse cool, Clark. dude. I like Jesse. Yeah. Well, so yeah. What, well, on that note, what do you like about Jesse? And what do you like about Malt Europe? And why does he? Um, so I've worked. I worked with Jesse when he was at Cargill. We were getting some of their malt and he was a sales guy there. And then uh, he left and we, we've switched malt suppliers a fair amount, just trying to, you know, find where quality and price meet. Um, and then this year happened and last summer happened and it's the worst barley and wheat year that the world has ever known. Uh, unprecedented times. Another unprecedented. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I was thinking about saying that. You beat me. <laughs> I really uh, say I'm going to start a petition to just ban that word, <laughs> just strike it from the lexicon. <laughs> uh, but you know, trying to get uh, a silo contract right now for bulk grain is crazy. It's just. It's crazy. I mean, suppliers that have reached out to me for years that want to give us, you know, want us to buy their grain. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll give them a shot. And I'm getting stuff back. Like we we can't supply you. We don't have enough barley. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, we're dinky. There's that's there's just no way that's a thing, you know. But it is this year, and you know they they had a real tough year with that. There's the heat dome. They got snow really late bad crops and so you know reaching out to different people i ended up you know reaching out to jesse and i was like where are you at what do you got do you have any any barley and uh i went down and the the quality seems to be real high uh especially considering the year uh out of mall europe right now um and i was i like working with jesse and i think hopefully this this will uh keep going well for us but, so is it safe to say because of the bad grain crop, that's what brought you to Malt Europe? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> There's some positive things, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm hopeful that it works out and it continues to work out because it's nice. I I really do like having 
good relationships with my suppliers. It's very important to me. Uh, having somebody that I can call and I believe is going to give me a straight answer or give me the actual lay of the land, or I know I'm getting a, you know, about as good a deal as I'm going to get. That's, that's a, it's a big value when you're constantly being trying to figure, navigate all the options. Cause there are tons of options uh, for all, all different suppliers, whether it's hops or barley or anything else. Yeah. And I think malt Europe has, uh, you know, just this, a strong suit in that they're they're big enough that they have enough crop around that they can they can probably mitigate some of the the harsh year that we had that everybody had last year across yeah. the world, you know by because they have so many different sources of barley and stuff so and you know that's just like that, the whole ukraine thing happened too that yeah. was also throwing a wrench into everything yeah, that's something I didn't even know until that happened. I started reading articles about the, you know, the conflict that was happening over there, the war. And I started learning that, oh, this is both Ukraine and Russia are huge suppliers of like wheat and barley around the world. And it was yeah. like, oh, great. So it wasn't bad enough. We had a, a harsh crop year. And yeah. you know, now we've got a huge conflict that's going to mess everything up even worse. Yep. I mean, it really, it, it, it is one of those perfect storm situations, right? Like yeah. you just, you're like, Oh, I didn't really think it was going to get worse. And then that happened. I'm like, I'm just really hopeful that like this year's crop of barley goes well, you know? I think everybody is very hopeful. Yeah. So too. Yes. And probably more importantly, we should probably hope that this whole stupid conflict is over soon. Cause it's just unfathomable that in 2022, this kind of thing is still happening. Yeah. I was kind of shocked <laughs> to be yeah, honest. I think everybody. We're in a pandemic and, and that. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So bringing it back a little bit, because yes. I had a question still about malt Europe. So are you using a lot of their base malts their specialty malts? Have you tried any of their newer ones? Well, when I first uh, was talking to Jesse, I had, I had never seen like seen malt Europe stuff. So I was like, all right, I'll take, you know, a whole, a couple pallets of stuff, um, tried out a bunch of their different grains. And um, I liked all of them. I thought they turned out really well. Um, what they're doing, I, I was happy with uh, the kind of stuff they're producing. Uh, so far, I've mostly just got silo malt um, from them, but I will be getting uh, some bag malt as well. Uh, but in general, uh, shipping is very difficult right now. <laughs> Yeah. So getting stuff shipped over, like right now I've got suppliers that I can just drive to and get, uh, like, you know, if I ordered right now, I could go pick something up. So me being able to get stuff is a big draw. Right. Um, but I will be, uh, likely when I start doing more stuff, uh, that I know I need bulk of in bag, I'll be bringing in more of their, uh, you know, Munich and uh, things like that. That's as an ask if you've used their Munich 5L or their Dextrin with any beers. I haven't. I think the 5L is pretty new, right? I think yeah. it just came out. It just I, came out. Yeah, I haven't tried that yet. No, but I'm going to give it a shot. Why not? <laughs> yeah, the Crystal Wheat 3L came out last year, which has really, really been kind of going crazy right now. People are doing some really fun beers with that. Do you but, guys do any like homebrewing or anything? We do actually. Yeah, we have, we, we've been brewing for about five or six years. And in the RV, we call it tiny brewing. And we, yeah, we do tiny <laughs> brewing because we usually brew anywhere from three to five gallons. Oh, wow. And, All right. Uh, yeah. And we, um, we held an RV focused event last year that we brewed with strange craft brewing in Denver. And cool. we brewed a, a Belgian wit with the crystal wheat 3L, which oh, yeah. We, yeah, and we actually used a ton of it in there. We used about 30% of the grain bill. And it was fantastic. It seems like a lot. <laughs> it does seem like a lot till you've tried this small. Yeah? It does, okay. yeah. It sounds crazy to have that much of a wheat in there, but it's a very distinctly different malt than any other kind of wheat that I've ever brewed with. And it's very different from the traditional crystal malts that you'll try because it doesn't have that caramel or toffee flavor. It's a really, really light, almost honey-like sweetness at the underneath everything. 
So it doesn't really jump out itself, but it allows everything else to jump off of it. So it's almost like if you take a grapefruit and you sprinkle some just table sugar on it, it gets really sweet, right? It pulls all that flavor out. This does the same thing for hops and yeast. Well, well, I'll try try some out. And I sound like I'm just totally going into sales mode right now, but it's it's true. I mean, just from having used it and having tried a bunch of different beers from other brewers who've used it too, it's it's really a fun, it's a fun malt to work with. But see, that's what like before we were doing all of this, before we'd like we've been into craft beer for a long time, drinking it and stuff from snowboarding mm-hmm. and things like opera ski and stuff. But like before getting into the beer and understanding more of the home brewing part of it. I never also really understood like how much collaborative efforts were put into things. So like when you came, when we brewed with strange craft, like we're just a little tiny company that reports about beer, but we put on this, a beer event. And then, so you brewed with strange craft in Denver and then while Europe comes, comes in and like they brew with us. And then we had a couple other people come in and it was just this huge collab day and it was just so much fun. And I never fully had that understanding of it, of how, I mean, like, how many people do you need to? But you, you guys are being like, it, you're a magnet, though, right? Like, you're it's, you're bringing yeah. people to you. It's it's happening. Like, and that's what, what's really what great. you're putting out has reverberations. True. Yeah, I think I that's like that. true. But yeah. and so many breweries do that. Yeah. 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 Sure. I mean, that's a thing. I I feel very much uh, a part of the community out here where we're at, in a very similar way. When when we were starting we're so far in like the Northeast area of Portland that there's not a whole lot going like out here. It's fairly industrial. Um, and we, me and Jason, the other brewer kind of thought, Oh yeah, you know, we'll open up uh, and then we'll be up on the brew deck. And if somebody walks into the tasting room, we'll like come down and like get them a pint or whatever. And it turns out that it was not the case. There is a community close by that it was really starved for this kind of stuff some kind of place where they could bring their family uh their dog you know we've we've got a you know quarter acre out here dog run you can let your dogs go out and we're very fit all the all the owners have little kids and so we wanted a place where we could like you know you, you're getting kicked out by a server and rushing you along so we just have a big greenhouse full of tables and you can just kind of go hang out there and we ended up you know and we had a little kid area pre-pandemic as well where they could go play. But, you know, you just become part of the community. The community comes in and says, this is what I want and this is what I like. And, like, they become your champions as much as anything else, too, you know. And they have their, their own agendas. You know, we spon- we're sponsoring, like, you know, Little League Baseball because a bunch of our regulars want their kids are in the thing and they need uniforms or whatever. And we're like, sure, why not? no that's cool and and that that is another thing that we we haven't really touched on too much but in doing some research on you guys um a common theme was how much you just want to strike balance not only in your beers but in your lives and both you, you as ownership but also in your employees and your guests you know your fans that come in and drink beer there it's like it doesn't have to be let's chase the almighty dollar and be the biggest thing in the world. It's like, let's strike a balance where, yeah, we're doing good as a brewery, but we're also making sure everybody's happy with this. How was that just something that you guys knew from the get-go that you'd seen in other businesses that you wanted to find for your business was more just everyday life happiness? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, one working at other breweries uh and you know breweries are you know so much of the time run really thin on labor and they push really hard and nobody's making any money so you're working your butt off you know you're not making much money and you're putting in some serious hours and you're you're hurting your body i mean it's it can be tough work especially when you're doing it you know five six days a week and you're just you're on cement you're in like steel toned boots or whatever you know you're you're lifting heavy stuff moving things and everything's on the ground too you know people having foot and leg and back problems and that kind of stuff um and then having kids you have kids and suddenly you're like damn i need more time at home i just do you know like my we can't both you know me and my wife we can't we just both can't work 
full schedules all the time. We both, there had to be a lot more like flexibility in there. So I think when we were talking about getting going, that was just, you know, we, we know we, we're going to work hard. We know we're going to put in a lot of hours, but at the same time, like we need to be able to take vacation. We need to be able to like have some time off and we kind of try to do that with our employees as well. Um, try to give them a lot more flexibility than, than they've had in the past. Like we, through the whole pandemic have really been uh, overstaffed in the brewery. Um, we haven't had, you know, we've had too many people. We probably should have fired some people, but at the same time, with how often people were getting sick or maybe might've been sick and have to take, you know, 10 days off, it was nice to have too many people, you know, and as, a, as opposed to not enough people and to be able to allow people to be safer. We're like, look, we don't want to get sick. We all have kids and families. So if you're around somebody sick or you think you might be sick, just stay home and get tested and do the things. And like, let's all just try to be safe about it. And, you know, I think it was a more responsible way to go about it. And, you know, we certainly paid a little bit for it as well. I think it gives a little bit more loyalty uh, from our staff too. Well, yeah. no matter how much you love your job, no matter what your job is, you still need yeah. a break from it. Sometimes your brain needs a break. Oh, yeah. Your body needs a break. Your family needs you. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and that's a, that's a side benefit of having too many employees, I guess you'd say is, you know, everybody doesn't get quite as stressed out as they would otherwise when, like you've said in the beer industry, especially at the craft beer level, it's, you know, it's a bare bone staff. A lot of times at most places where, everybody's wearing five hats and trying to get everything done and there's never enough time for everything. And there's still probably never enough time for everything, but you know, that's a, that's a tough thing, but it's, it's cool that you're striking that balance and that you were even kind of forward thinking before the pandemic. Cause that was your. Yeah. I mean, yeah, straight, straight away. We knew to like, Hey man, I'm going to need some time. Like We've joked me and Jason's schedule when we started were just based off our kids' schedules and who had to pick up what kids went. And so he ended up being the opening brewer and I was a closing brewer because his kids, he had to pick up from school this time and I had to stay home with my kids because their daycare didn't start till this time. So well, <laughs> there you like, go. it's very practical. And then, you know, when I got, when I was having my second kid, we, I brought a guy on and he's now our lead brewer, uh, you know, just so he could sub me out so I didn't have to be on the floor all the time because I knew I was going to have to be balancing different schedules and stuff. Uh, so have you found that perfect balance yet? I don't think it's perfect. I don't know if it's ever going to be perfect, but it's better. It's pretty good. Like I, I, I really try to keep it, you know, Monday through Friday as much as possible and within, you know, an eight, nine hour window. And I think I do like pretty good at it. Surprisingly so. Yeah. Pretty impressive because a lot of people we've talked to just they keep struggling <laughs> and keep trying and it's just always out of whack. But balance in life and work and stuff is never like like I said, it's never a perfect balance. It's, it's never, never 50 50. No, no, nope. it, it, it's definitely not. It's it, it's hard. Yeah. So on this note, we got we got a little personal. And that's what we like to do towards the end. Anyhow, is get a little personal and like learn who you are and who like, yeah, who you are behind like outside of the beer in the brewery. So obviously you're a parent, but how else, like, who are you outside of your brewery? What do you Boy, like? That, that is a fun, you know, five, again, five years ago, it'd be a different answer. My daughter's almost six <laughs> and this company is almost five. And I feel like for the last six years, I've been a father and a brewery owner, you know, uh, anything else before that is like, you know, I, I don't have time for, for the most part. Um, but I, I grew up out, like I say, I grew up out here in Troutdale uh, and I left for college, went to Reno. I was able to travel out of there. Uh, they had a like studies abroad thing out there uh, based out of uh, UNR. Uh, I was able to study in Spain and travel around Europe a little bit. I got to go to Central America, uh, stayed in Costa Rica for almost a year did a bunch of surfing and stuff out there. And, um, I, you know, I love all, I love, I love traveling. I love, you know, playing sports and team sports and individual sports, stuff like, you know, snowboarding and skiing and surfing. And, um, you know, I, I played baseball and basketball and golf and all sorts of things growing up. And 
now, like I say, I'm just, I'm just happy to see anybody these days. I <laughs> come across friends so rarely that when I see them, I'm just so excited about it. Like I'd love to just, you know, hang out and have a beer with some buddies and, uh, you know, shoot the shit or go out and, you know, get nine holes of golf in after work sometime or whatever. That's, those are, those are the kind of treats I get, um, getting out there these days, just cause you know, everything has been shut down. Uh, don't have a lot of free time for just me. If there's free time, it's generally family time, you know? So from your traveling times, what would you say was the biggest impact that being able to travel like that when you were younger, like what's the biggest impact that you brought back to your life from traveling? You know, <laughs> it, it is interesting. So when I did my first studies abroad, it was fairly early in college for me. And I knew immediately that I had to do it again. And so I finished all of my degree, which was philosophy. I'm a philosophy major. <laughs> and uh, put to good use in beer. Yeah, I put to good use in beer. Um, and the, I, I, I ended up getting all of my classes done and leaving just one class for my minor, uh, which was Spanish. And so then I was able to go to Costa Rica and just finish college in Costa Rica and hang out there for a long time. Um, I'd only have to take one class. So it was, that was a very smart move on my part. You learn a lot by meeting a lot of different people and going into different cultures. Um, I really think everybody should have to be uh, work in the service industry. And I think they should have to go to a foreign country where they don't speak the language and try to uh, assimilate to their culture for a little bit. I think in general, people would be better off. They maybe not be such assholes about things. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly gives you a different perspective on the world when you've had that taste of what other areas of the world are like. Yeah, or what other cultures are like. I mean, yeah. a lot of cultures have a lot of really good things going for them. <laughs> you know, they're not pushing as hard as we are. You know, they're like making it easy. It's more important to have, a, you know, your life and have meaning to your life or how you're going to operate in a day-to-day -day basis uh, versus go, 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 work, 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 die, you know, do all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That was one thing that was really impactful on me when uh, we took our, our two sons uh, before our oldest one graduated high school, we went on a, on a Mediterranean cruise and which had a lot of stops all over the place. And when we explored around Italy, it was kind of cool to go into these little villages like way outside of Rome and stuff. Wait, wait, not on the cruise excursions. Like no, we no, did no. our own thing in these little villages. So it was yeah. really cool to get out uh -huh. there. So we'd go off on our own and go to the, like a little village somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. And you're there at, I don't remember, like two or three in the afternoon. And you're expecting to go to all the shops and stuff or whatever's in that village, right? And everything's shut down because everybody's Close. taking a siesta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, don't remember. we had to stop and eat some lunch. <laughs> exactly. People would eat lunch or take a nap or like they would recharge for a couple hours. You know, it wasn't yeah. go, go, go like we're used to in the U.S. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a lifestyle choice. I, the very, like very similarly when I was in Spain, like when I first got into the town I was going to stay in, we, I, you know, got into my apartment or whatever. And I'm like, I am starving. I get, let's go get some food. It's like seven o'clock. I'm like, sweet. And I go out and there's nowhere open. Nowhere. <laughs> not there's not a place to get food anywhere and i was just like what is happening and everybody's like nothing nothing's gonna open until nine when it's time for dinner and i was like <laughs> right dinner at nine what's wrong with you people you know but i ended up becoming very i just ended up loving the whole thing you know like i got really into their their way of life out there and i was like you guys you're onto something <laughs> yeah let's take a break once in a while yeah, it'd be nice to import some of that thought process back to the U.S. And, you know, you guys are doing it a little bit at a time, you know, just in your way, you are doing it by trying to give that better work-life balance to you got yourselves and your employees. Yeah, I, we always joke, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, we have vacation time for our, you know, brewers or whatever. And it's more like, you know, it's not like, oh, you get five days or 10 days or it's like, you can take vacation. If you need to have a time, you need to go to the dentist, go to the dentist. You need to, you know, you take a three-day weekend, 
take it three day a week. And as long as you're not screwing anybody over and you give us some notice, go for it, you know? And, you know, we've had a lot of people, I think, you know, trips and stuff. And you're like, yeah, that's it, man. I know I can keep you as my employee longer if you're happier, right? If, if you can do the things that your life requires, then, you know, and we can give you that opportunity as much as possible. We will, you know, there might be a point where it gets too much and we have to say no, but most of the time we're like, yeah, I don't know. As long as we have the people to cover it, go for it, man. Are you saying you treat your employees like adults? Like <laughs> we <can> really <laughs> <What>? try. <laughs> <laughs> that's a new way of thinking oh my gosh yeah like yeah i don't know man you need to go to the dmv yeah go ahead i don't care <laughs> go for it man i will cover your shift for a couple hours you'll be it we'll be okay nice <laughs> you ready for this question yeah sure okay you have to really think a little bit on this one though okay All right so i want i'm thinking of your personality like who you are mm-hmm. if you were a beer what beer would you be like style of beer or an exact beer, whatever. And why? Hmm. I'll say an English summer ale. Okay. Wow. <laughs> now explain it. Um, I've always liked the style. Um, when I was at Laurelwood, we brewed one. We ended up, you know, getting a lot of boards for it and stuff, but it was a kind of a, the bastard beer of the brewery. Um, at the time, like we were talking about, everything's going for big BUs and big barrel stuff, and barley wines and stouts and, you know, Imperial IPAs. And, you know, when I came on board, that was my favorite beer was this, you know, little 5% golden. And it, I was talking about it to, you know, the brewmasters. They're like, yeah, we just keep it on there to keep your, you know, Budweiser fans happy. Uh, and so we try to build flavor into this little beer. And I was like, this is the best beer we have. guys. Like this, this beer is awesome. And, um, I still, I still just really like that style in general. It's, you know, it is a low ABV beer, which I like. It has some malt backbone to it, which I tend to like malty beers. I like hops. I love hops. I'm a hops guy too, but, um, I do like a, uh, a light sessionable malty thing with a little bit of, uh, aromatic hop stuff to it. I mean, it kind of does a lot for me. The other thing I would say it's a pale ale because really I just love pale ale. I think <laughs> pale ale is like there, but golden ale, pale ale, you know, somewhere in the middle, my wedding, me and my wife's wedding beer was somewhere in between the gray area of a golden ale and uh, like a hoppy pale. So it's more of like a golden ale base uh, and a little bit higher ABV than that. And uh, some nice hops. We did like a whole hop test on it and stuff and came up with, you know, these hops we like for it and stuff. So I, I like a pale ale. I like a golden ale, but I also just love lagers and low ABV beers in general. I'm going to put words in your mouth and you tell me if I'm wrong or not. Okay. So the English summer ale, you said it was like the bastard of the beers at the time. Does that mean like, I don't know, is there a little bit of like uh, attitude with you to match your style? You also said they're kind of mellow and sessionable. So most people can handle you. You're pretty mellow and sessionable, but there's still a little bit of like bitterness, a little bit of attitude. <laughs> I, 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 as a human, am, uh, I would say I'm a very nice person, but I'm, a, I'm also very blunt. Uh, I don't mince words. I make it very clear what I'm going for, for the most part. I get to the point and, uh, you know, yeah, but, I, you know, I, I think I'm a pretty nice guy too, so. I'd call uh, that a pretty good balance. Yeah. Playing it's a pretty good balance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I end up being the guy that's got to do, like, the firing, you know, because I just, like, I'm here. I'm like, and you're done. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. I'm not going to sit there and, you know, have a very long conversation about all the things you did wrong or something. I don't think that's going to do anybody any favors. Okay. That's how I want you to end the podcast and we're done. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about your performance here. <laughs> well, we're done here. Goodbye. Psych. We're not done. Everybody knows we're not done. We're never done when the podcast is done. We have to talk some more because people need to hear our voices more. The podcast isn't done. Just the interview's done. Well, the interview's done. We're never done. Never. Ever. Goodbye. Don't leave yet. Because we we wanted to talk a little bit about um, Portland. And we actually really don't know 
a lot about the Portland beer scene currently because mm, here's yeah. the deal. We, you guys, if you're listening to us, you know that we were in um, the Pacific Northwest in 2020, fall of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. So we were, we spent a lot of time um, around like Yakima and the hops and hop harvest and stuff in Washington. Um, and then we went, made kind of a beeline to Bend, Oregon and spent like three weeks there because the biking there is fantastic. The breweries there are fantastic. And then we actually spent a good deal of time like going down the entire coast from like Southern Washington all the way down into Oregon. But we never made it to Portland and that was a conscious decision. Yeah, that that was during the time when there were still um, in bigger cities like Portland and Seattle and stuff, there was still quite a bit of restrictions going on and things were kind of not normal-ish. And I think that's when maybe a lot of riots and stuff were still kind yeah. of just coming out of that. And so it just didn't feel right to go back there when we couldn't really experience what real Portland is like. And the reason that we made that decision, too, though, is because we had never been to Seattle. And mm -hmm. so we really, both of us really wanted to go to Seattle. So we made it a point to go to Seattle and to experience that city because we've heard so many great things about it, which, by the way, is where our youngest son and his girlfriend now live. Ooh, and we get to go back to Seattle. So it'll be cool to see, like, hopefully that it's kind of changed a little bit and gone back to its normal, vibrant city that we've learned to or that we've heard so much about. But anyhow, when we first went to Seattle, like I said earlier, it was fall of 2020, and we had never been, so we wanted to go, so we went, and it just wasn't what people had described it as being because of the pandemic, mm -hmm. because of the riots and things that were going on there. So it just was kind of like, it was, it was disheartening to see such a vibrant city, not itself. Yeah, because we, we did sample quite a few breweries mm -hmm. that were really good. I mean, as far as beer and everything, and the people were nice, but, you know, it's just, you you couldn't get the full flavor of the breweries either because you weren't allowed to ha have people up and moving around and doing the normal brewery stuff and hanging out. And But that was just a reflection of the bigger thing. Like you said, the whole city wasn't what it was. We went to Pike Market, and it was empty. It was and open, but it was, it was empty. Yeah, it was open, but empty. And yeah. like, normally, I guess that, that place is just packed with people. So so on that note, because of that, we're happy that we got to explore Seattle a little bit. And we did, um, like you said, we did get to a lot of breweries. And I'll put the breweries and that we wrote a whole blog post in Seattle's Best Brewery Guide up there. And so I'll put that on the show notes. But because of that, we decided that we weren't going to go to Portland because you and I had both already been to Portland and we love that city, and we just didn't want to be, I don't know, we didn't want to have a new vision of what Portland is like now, so we didn't want it ruined, so we decided not to go to Portland. Yeah, we knew it wasn't going to be what it was when we last went there, and yeah, we just didn't want it to be tarnished by now. Well, and or, I, well not now, but, yeah, well, <laughs> but that time. But I, and I think it... I mean, it's definitely different, especially listening to what Shane was talking about with one of his other partners, um, Jeff, who was the owner of, was it Bailey's Taproom? Bailey's Taproom, yeah. And was a really recognized taproom in Portland. I think it opened in like 2007 in a time when there weren't a lot of beer bars. So it was like really a welcoming site to have in Portland at that time and like it was huge hugely known across mm -hmm. the state and i think even outside of the state and but now because of the pandemic i don't think we talked too much about that in the podcast but i do know because of the pandemic uh jeff decided to shutter the the tap room and then they also had like a sister bar or something above it and so that was closed during the because of the pandemic as well and now thank goodness for us is now focusing on level beer so there are, you know, pros to that. But still, what's cool, though, Kenny, you mentioned to me off mic that when you went to Portland without me, although I have been to Portland. It was a work trip. Fine. I had no choice. That you I was went, forced to go. That one of your um, forays into really getting to know, like, different types of beer was at a beer bar in Portland. And I bet you that was that beer bar. 
It, yeah, I think it was because like before we started recording the pot, doing some recording for this episode, I kind of looked it up some photos of Bailey's on online and pretty sure it was the same place because it's been a long time. So I don't have a clear memory of exactly what the place looked like, but I remember there being just, you know, it's one of the first places I ever went where there's like, I don't remember, it was like 50, 75 beers on tap and like they were largely all um, Oregon breweries and stuff. And I was just blown away by the variety at that time because I was, we were into craft beer at that time, but not to the same extent that we are now and didn't have the knowledge or the, the deep understanding of what craft beer was or what it could be even at that point. So, so while we don't know cool. for sure if that was the beer bar you went to, we're just going to say it was. So you got <laughs> I'm to pretty go. sure it was. I'm pretty sure it was. You got to go before it was closed down. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Well, cause when I would have been there too, would have been probably 10 years or so ago and they're pro and the, and Bailey's was op- opened in 2007. So there probably weren't a whole lot of other beer bars that were of that size at that time. So I just think it's cool that connection to that, that possible connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it is cool. It's cool, cool to have experienced something like that. So. Yeah. I don't think Shane will um, be disappointed in our performance now if we made it to Bailey's before <laughs> they had to close. Did you guys like that ending? I like that ending. What? Disappointed in your performance. If you're done, you're done. Goodbye. <laughs> Cool. I mean, I'm the one who's kind of adding that little uh, inflection into it. Goodbye. Yeah, you did kind of do your own inflection on that. So, I like it. It works. On that note, should it be goodbye? You know, probably should. You got to balance, like, work, life, play, podcast. And you have to get your rest because it's American Craft Beer Week. You guys all got some beer to drink. But before you do, okay, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Yes, do that. Or please also leave us a review. Yes, we need some new reviews. We could use some new reviews. That would be awesome. Hopefully they're good ones too. If you're going to leave a bad review, don't. But if you want to leave a good review, please do. Five stars. We like five stars. And we do have some really cool reviews. We just need some more. And as always, share the podcast with your friends and get really well rested, get really well hydrated, and get yourself ready for American Craft Beer Week. And buy us a beer. We'll cheers with you during the week. Okay, yes, do that too. Okay. And with that, we out. No. Goodbye. (laughs) Cheers. Peace out. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs.